This episode of Pixel Sift is proudly sponsored by Murdoch University School of Arts with courses in games, sound, radio, screen, communications and journalism. There's an extensive range of top quality fields to propel yourself into your future career. It's never too late to get involved and improve your skill set. So search Murdoch University for more information to start down the road to knowledge. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly sponsoring Pixel Sift. Hello, and thank you for joining us for episode 81 of Pixel Sift. This is the last episode before we head to, to PAX, which Ooh. is coming up very, very soon. So less than two weeks' Welcome time. Welcome back, Johnny. Uh, thank you. I enjoy coming back, <laughs> hearing you slander me repeatedly in previous episodes. <laughs> Uh, but we'll get on about that later. evidence of that. There is plenty of recorded evidence about that. Uh, my name is Gianni. Uh, I'm joined by my traitorous co-hosts, Mitch and Scott, mostly hey, hey. Mitch. I'm going to have your job uh, later. And also joining us uh, over the internet, we have Simon Boxer, who is from Twice Different. Simon, you're here to tell us all about your game, Bounce House, today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me on. Simon's uh, ex-Perthian. Uh, so we'll be learning all about why he left our state and grilling about that, that for the next, <laughs> basically for the next half an hour or so. So why do you hate Perth? Yeah, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh no, it begins. Uh, we'll also be hearing uh, all about that, but what else are we checking out today? Uh, yes, we'll be looking into loot boxes and add-ons and how they're becoming the norm with almost every recent release. Uh, the games are starting to look more like services than goods. Great, let's jump in, shall we? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Did you know Pixel Sift is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the Pixel Sift website. We really got to stop using that promo before I have to talk. Yeah, no, that's, that's the worst. Fine. Anyway, the, the, global, the global gaming community is sitting a little uneasy this week as we have come to realize that most of our anticipated games and a lot of the ones we already play may, be move, may have moved over the service business model seemingly without warning. But did this really happen out of nowhere or did we just choose to ignore the signs? Well, I think there's a very simple answer to that one, Mitch. Uh, it's been happening for a long time and yeah. I think this is a, a very similar thing that's happening to a lot of different industries. Did we call it? Is this one of those pixels you've called it? Moments? No, I don't think so because I think... Uh, there's this as a service is the idea that people have um, and they talk about lots of different industries that are now moving from an individual purchase to to a service model mm-hmm. um, and it's basically the way that modern business kind of works it's yep. uh, the, the example that comes to mind and, and people who use creative uh, software would probably know this off the top of their head but when Adobe moved from their standalone purchase model to an ongoing subscription and there's plenty of other examples like that you know your video store has been pla- replaced by your, your video on demand uh, services where you've got a big range of choice, but they're getting an ongoing purchase from you. And I think what what has caused a little bit of ire in this particular last couple of weeks uh, is uh, some of the indica- uh, to inclusions of these sort of in-app purchases and these ongoing purchase uh, ideas for uh, games such as like single player. So the Shadow of War, uh, Mortal Shadow of the War is the uh, new game that's coming out. It's the sequel to uh, the previous Mordor Mordor game um, and it has uh, sort of an in it has a loot box sort of mechanic and an in-app purchase sort of mechanic and people have been kind of so, getting upset about so it so people have been saying that loot boxes are required before you are capable of beating the final boss which and is not true which is not true yeah because yeah, I, I, I thought how would you prove that I mean, because to me, if I'm having trouble on a boss, I don't automatically think I need to buy something better mm. I just think I'm not that great I need to get better it's <laughs> like quitter talk yeah 
Now, Simon, <laughs> you've uh, you know, had a little bit of experience working in these sort of uh, marketplaces. Uh, you've done work creating uh, skins for the uh, Steam Workshop. What do you think about this sort of shift towards this sort of model, and, and especially for someone who is making stuff that's kind of part of that, uh, part of that new model? Yeah, I definitely think um, there's space for it. But I think it can be exploited as well. And I think that's what we're seeing with uh, the Battlefront 2 announcement uh, where it is really sort of set up in a more pay-to-win sort of structure. Well, actually, I'm not sure exactly what um, the extent of their upgrades are, but from what I've read, it looks uh, like it's getting towards quite an exploitative extent. But some other games, like I feel like there's really a place for it. Um, It covers the costs of ongoing development, so... It means that the games can actually get released earlier as well. And then it's sort of like an equivalent to early access in some ways. And it really lowers down the barrier for consumers. So by offering things that people can purchase as they play, uh, you can charge less to sell the game or even give it away for free in the case of the mobile space. Or even Dota 2, for example, that's a you know pretty prominent. And you know a lot of the MOBAs work on this model. You know There's a, a very low barrier to entry and then there will be people out there who will pay a lot of money and some who will just enjoy the game for free. Um, I think that, that Battlefront 2 example that you talked about, there is sort of a... Most of the things that where people generally don't have a problem with these in-game purchases is when it's a cosmetic or you know non-functional yeah. upgrade. I mean, also when the game is given to you and you need to make additional purchase, okay, fine. But Battlefront is looking to be about an eighty-dollar game. Yeah, which no, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. AAA games shouldn't be exploiting the system like that is going to ruin it for everybody. I don't know that they're exploiting the system. I think I just said they shouldn't. I mean, but Battlefront Two, it seems. Like, can you it, exploit a system that you created? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but like you know, there's, there's. I think everybody's doing a really good job of this, except for. Well, I mean, the only example that I can think of on the top of my head, the recently, is like we're talking about now, the Battlefront Two, because it, your what you can purchase and what you win through loot boxes directly, uh, you know, changes how successful you can be in the game and how you can play the game. Whereas yeah, it seems like. Ha- uh, it Sorry, seems like a lot of stuff is uh, side grades as well for other games. Like, um, and I saw the article about for Honor unlocks costing something like seven hundred plus dollars to unlock everything, which is an equivalent of over five thousand hours. Yeah, wow. Uh, gameplay, which is ridiculous, but I, I think it sounded like that's more like side grades, right? So it's it's still a skill based game, but Battlefront, it's. It's built into the core that you need this stuff to mm. <laughs> to progress through the game to I mean, crush others into the ground, and they do kind of offset <laughs> it a little bit because they have a you know a daily box sort of situation. So I guess the more days that you put in and the more levels you get, um, as you kind of unlock, similar to an Overwatch sure. sort of situation. But there is you know an example where you could just throw stacks well, of money o- at it. Overwatch, you don't get one mm. for just showing up, mm. and that. But then again, then again, Overwatch only gives you cosmetic stuff. But I guess if you were to expect to get like actual game altering assets, maybe getting one for just showing up on the day might be a good idea. But um, I think, and I've only played Battlefront 2 very um, scarcely, and I'm not completely down with it, but I'm pretty sure that they have a tiered loot box system, yeah, which changes everything again. Like, yeah, you might be getting your daily crate, and uh, that's awesome, but that might be insignificant. It might be a nothing crate, yeah. you know? You but might need to get the premium crates to really get anything good. Th- there's really only one way to find out how this- the Battlefront 2, because Battlefront 2 has kind of taken it to another level, mm. in, uh, in, for lack of a better term, because they, they've, they've implemented this really complicated system of microtransactions, and we won't know how it actually affects the game until the game comes out. 
whether it flops or, or it succeeds. Look, yeah. all games are not created equal. And I think this format might not work for some games. And especially, like, developers are going to need to be careful with it, how far they push it. And uh, for, for now, at least, like, not too soon. I think that this would be an extremely data-driven decision. For sure. And mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. not going to be making a decision that would be counter to what the data shows. So, really I think there's going to be people out there who are going to complain about it. But I think in the same way that people used to complain about Left 4 Dead 2 coming out, it's not that long after Left 4 Dead 1. And there was a famous example <laughs> yeah, where- We knew those people were morons. Well, they knew, well, it was an extreme example where they knew that the people who joined the boycott groups yeah. on Steam, not going to buy Left 4 Dead 2, were actually more engaged than other people and yeah. bought it at a higher rate than anyone yeah. who didn't really care. So <laughs> Amazing. You know, so it's just, I think people say things that don't really- uh, but, can back it up. That's so true. It's so true. Um, it looks like, to me, what EA is doing with Battlefront seems to be just a big experiment. Mm. And they're probably just going to see how far they can push it, as you say. I, I feel like there is cause for concern because some a lot of those modifications I noticed was affecting the recharge rate of your abilities. For example, the spaceship cooldown rates, everything... Uh, the spaceships in Battlefront operate a lot like Overwatch characters in the sense that you need to wait for this thing to cool down before you can use it again. Mm, and yeah. I can't imagine how ruined Overwatch would be if you could buy an ability to make May be able to cryo-freeze more. Yeah. I think it actually... <laughs> just constantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just all the time. It's already too much, and I play May. Jennifer <laughs> Jennifer Sherl, who uh, is... Gao me on on Twitter has is always always got great uh, insight into all of this stuff. Um, she says that uh, for games, these concepts kind of move in trends uh, and available resources, platforms, and payment methods, and time investment and consumer preferences. You can say about loot boxes and in-game currencies uh, whatever you want, but it has made games more accessible for people with less money. Um, because it allows people who are willing to invest the time instead of money to access content to still play the game. So, free-to-play was a good thing. Look, I was an, an avid uh, hater of uh, loot boxes and crates and everything, uh, you know, probably 12 months ago. I would just like to illustrate how bad he was a hater of it. He yeah. would not open his Overwatch loot boxes. Just not. Just didn't <laughs> see the point in it. All right, and, do you know what? Do you know, it, with Did you play Hearthstone with no cards? No. <laughs> Look, it, it, I eventually came around to it, yeah. um, and I do see... I, I do see developers using them well, and I've come I've come across with Overwatch. Even it was the summer loot boxes that got me, um, and I, I think a lot of people, a lot of developers, are doing a really good job of implementing it at the moment. I I think a lot of people are do- there are some people that are doing it better than others, but I'm all for it, and I will support. It going into the future. And I think it also allows for different sorts of things. You know, you can have a mix of, of bits and pieces. You know, Simon, we're going to talk a little bit about your game and it's got a, a you know, uh, an in-app purchase sort of component to it, but it's also free to play. You just pick it, you know, press download and you're ready to go. So that Twitter series that you were just talking about was uh, Jennifer. Jennifer Sherl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she made great points, to be fair. And she, she laid it down better than I could ever. Uh, if, do if check her out if you are interested in game development. Definitely one person to follow because she is on the pulse with yeah, all these things. Definitely. So, uh, let's uh, jump into our next topic, shall we? Pixel sift. <laughs> Pixel sift. <laughs> no, seriously, Pixel sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel sift. We're joined by Simon Boxer. He's from Twice Different. He's based in Melbourne, formerly of Perth. Uh, Simon, you've just released a game. Came out this morning or sort of late, late evening last night. Congrats! Congratulations! Thank you. 
Thank you. Yes, it's uh, we actually did quite a few all-nighters this week, <laughs> and I'm working another job at the same time. So, yes, it was quite an effort. How do but, you feel right now? Like what you've reached this point, you've got the game out there. Uh, you're now talking to uh, West Australia's own Pixel Sift. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel accomplished, but scared because we still need to do a lot of work. Uh, because we are pro- providing a game as a service, much like everyone else that's moving forwards in this progressive industry. Now, can you tell us a little bit about what your game is about? If people haven't had a chance to check it out, what, how would you kind of describe it? Uh, so, it's a game about bouncing children off a bouncy castle. Well, that was the original pitch, but now it's off a bounce house because we found out that Americans refer to bouncy castles as bounce houses. Really? That, uh, that sounds wrong. That's sad. <laughs> For them more well, than I've, anybody. I've, yeah. <laughs> I've snuck in both things. So, I've titled it on the App Store Bounce House and then the subtitle is uh, Endless Bouncy Castle. I've seen Bouncer. that. Bounce so, we got House. There. Yeah, uh, an Endless Bouncy Castle mobile game. Fantastic. And you've got the Castle Master as well who's in there trying to... <laughs> do, do Americans just look yeah. at that and go, I don't understand this reference? Um... I don't understand I that actually reference. Haven't, I haven't even asked Americans, but yeah, I just wanted to use that because it sounded good. But I, I also suspect that it's translated very poorly. Um, in French, it apparently transla- the translator turned it into squire, and then someone retranslated it in, into an equivalent of someone that's kind of like lordly. So I don't think that will. But. You know, people don't really care about the narrative of mobile games, so I just sort of let that one slide a bit. So, how have people kind of been reacting to your game? And, and uh, you know, you're going to be displaying it uh, at PAX. You've got a booth ready to go um, or starting to get ready to go. How have people um, approached it and what have they been telling you? Uh, well, most <laughs> it's pretty early days so far, so... Um, a lot of the feedback that we got was just along the way while we're testing. We pretty much did weekly tests and I run sort of a game developer lunch meetup here in uh, Melbourne and I'd show dev friends and get a lot of feedback on the way. But um, yeah, it's been a really positive response in general. I, I don't have specific things to say, although I am accruing uh, some quotes that I want to use as testimonials, including uh, Mitch's... Mitch's one from the what video. Oh no! A game about ruining the fun of ch- <laughs> children. Yes, that's something everybody can enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Taking candy from babies as well. An important uh, aspect <laughs> totally. of the game. Uh, yeah, now, they, don't, they don't need the candy. They don't need it. No, they don't need it. Rot their yeah. teeth. They're not going to be able yeah, to go to the. So uh, you know, the, <laughs> and it's easy. The dental van or whatever <laughs> it is at school. Dentist van. Um, Simon, you've uh, you've got a team that works across both sides of, of this country. You've got uh, half of your team is in, in Perth here with us and you're over in Melbourne. How did that team kind of come together and, and what's it like working, uh, you know, across a whole country? Yeah, and actually we've got our sound uh, audio master up in Brisbane as well. So we've kind wow. of got the Almost axis all of Australia covered. Just need someone in well, Broome that's just bragging to, at that to, point, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. We need, we need Broome. We'll put the call out for Broome uh, game devs and yeah, get some QA yeah. up there or something. Make it happen. Oh, we do need uh, – we could use some more QA because at the moment we're just doing it with family and friends. Well, and whoever uses the Android beta. But anyway, it's out now, so the public will do it. So, what's it like? How do you um, work between a team that's kind of spread out across these big distances? It's not uh, as easy to kind of meet in, in a coffee shop or, or at an office. And Yeah, it's, it's – uh, 
it's definitely challenging. Um, for most of the project, I was on it full time, and and Matt, the programmer, has been doing it sort of part time along with other contracts. So we catch up on Skype, but I guess we've given each other a lot of trust in that we can kind of just handle our part and it'll come together. So I don't need to have my hands in the code and Matt doesn't need to have his hands in art and together we can make something. I guess the design is the the midpoint where there's a lot of discussion though. So you talked about, uh, you know, the having a game as a service and making it for something that people would kind of come back to. And, you know, that's an important design decision. How did you kind of settle on this model versus any other kind of model? What was, How did that feel like the right fit for, for this game? I think just the mobile space um, premium is really sort of dead at the moment unless you've got sort of more of a nar- narrative experience, I suppose. Like if you can build a lot of hype for your product, go premium but if you don't have that power and we don't have that marketing muscle behind us you've just got to go something like as accessible as possible which is free to play and ads are the main source of revenue nowadays for free to play uh, games it's something like 70 to 80 percent of your revenue will be made by just people watching ads and even the in-app purchases aren't uh, you know they're a minority of the revenue that you get you say it's a minority of the thing it's an interesting sort of idea that I, I remember when i first saw the ads kind of pop up into games and thinking this is actually a really brilliant way to uh you know get some revenue back from a game that you you know ostensibly giving away for free and the experience is there for free how do you feel about having that sort of ad supported uh, model because in a lot of other industries the ad supported model is you know sort of starting to to fade away oh yeah you can see it definitely fading away in uh free-to-air TV. I tried to watch a movie a few weeks ago and there was actually half an hour worth of ads programmed into a two-hour movie. So, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But they, uh, they wonder why I, Netflix is destroying everyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, How do you strike yeah, that balance? I, I think I, I don't actually mind ads in games, like especially if it's incentivized ads and that's mostly what we're doing. Like we've got some interstitial ads which are the ones that pop up uh just between plays but that's very we're very lenient with that like it's 10 plays between them kind of thing which is a lot it's like yeah um but those ads are also kind of like ones you can skip through but interstitial ads are the ones where uh sorry incentivized ads are the ones where um a developer will build in some incentive for someone to watch like a full 30 second ad and that's where you get like the bulk of your money and because it's opt-in, the engagement is higher, and I feel like it's a win-win for both developers and consumers in that way. Is there like a, a I guess, a golden rule for the balance for these things? Uh, you know, is there previous research or anything like that, or is it kind of like play around with it and see if you can tweak it at the edges and see if it can make it work? Uh, well, I'm pretty fortunate in that I'm sort of immersed in the Melbourne scene where there's people that have seen ridiculous success, like the creators of crossy road and they spawned mighty games which made the charming series and steppy pants was made here and a bunch of other like there's a lot of ex half brick people here as well and it's just uh some of those people have accrued their own data from the games that they've made and basically seen that you know having ads in doesn't actually deter people people seem to be really primed for that situation in the mobile space nowadays so um, 
I guess the balance is, well, we're very uh, user-friendly with our, how we've implemented. From what I've heard, like, you can put a lot more ads in a game than we have. So, um, I guess we're just trying to get started and see what happens, see if we can make it sustainable and, uh, you know, keep doing what we're doing. You've mentioned a little bit about the scene there and, you know, you've left Perth. Um, you know, is that is that scene being there and the sort of breadth of knowledge of, of people who have been making games for, for a long time, is that the main key advantage you see of, of moving to, to Melbourne? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I originally moved um, after Interzone closed. Well, actually, I originally moved to the US to study for a little bit and then uh, came back and was looking for somewhere to live in Perth and that's when I was traveling around, oh, sorry, to live in Australia. And that's when I was traveling around the capital cities and checking out the game scenes. And uh, Mellow was kicking off at that time, actually. And uh, it was just Trent giving a pitch at an IGDA meeting and showing the logo on the screen just like as a big splash and foreshadowing this big project that they were doing with profit share. And I was like, yeah, I want to be on that. And so I chose Melbourne for a bit. And just, yeah, the connections here are very suited to what I need. And there's also a lot a lot of industry, like a lot of peripheral industry that I can work in, such as VFX and, and you know, design-related stuff. Yeah, I mean, we have covered this a little bit before and that the support in Victoria in general is quite great, especially when you compare it to the rest of the, uh, the country. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I got the GDC travel grant this year. Um, to yeah, go and show a very early prototype of what we had. And uh, it was basically fill in an online form. They send you a few emails. You fill in another online form at the end and they give you a few grand. Yeah, wow. There you go. Yeah, that's great. Now, uh, <laughs> you, you talked a little bit uh, about the sort of work that you can do there. You know, you, there are a lot of studios kicking around and you could have worked with, you know, almost any of them, I'd imagine. Um, why did you want to go out and make a, a game on your own and, and, and make this as, a, as your own sort of project? Uh, well, so my last gig was almost three years um, working on a war game, basically. Uh, so, doing a lot of military-type assets um, and... I just really wanted to do something a bit more ridiculous by the end of it. I just really wanted to do something sort of cartoony and have a bit more ownership. Like I was doing Steam Workshop at the time and had a side income from that and so had built up enough savings and whatnot to be able to afford to go off and try and do something. Uh, and mobile seemed like a, I guess, a space which accommodates kind of small scope projects and because we hadn't. I hadn't released anything of my own before. That's sort of just how it fell into place. But um, I, yeah, I it kind of came about after there was sort of like half laid off from this job, half uh, wanting to move on because I'd basically finished all of the work they needed for um, their their full release, basically of art and programming needed another half year or so. So leaving this company, going back to Perth, just hanging out for a bit, rejuvenating. Um, I was actually at an afternoon tea when Sounds it lovely. sort of prompted, <laughs> prompted the idea again. Uh, it was sort of an acquaintance's afternoon tea and her kids were just running around the table and coming up to the adults and trying to engage them to play on the trampoline with them. <laughs> and no one was like having any of that. But 
they sheepishly came up to me who I, I hadn't met them before I'm like do you want to play on the trampoline and I'm pretty much uh I'm pretty much like a child trapped in a 30 something year old body so I was like yeah I'm I'm down for that I'm, I'm going to get in on that tramp action. <laughs> I'm going to double bounce yeah. over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty kids, much. Kids stand back, I'm watch me somersault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm game. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was actually about to ask where the inspiration for the game has come. I like, you know, there is such a hole in their bouncy castle gaming world. <laughs> it, it's a genre and a niche that needs to be, you know, uh, you know, filled out. Inflated. Maybe. Bouncy Castle 2. Yeah, inflated? Yeah. Oh, they're a bit slow picking that one up. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I did. Now, Simon, Thank you for joining us in Scott's last episode of Pixel City. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, you're going to be showing off your game uh, at PAX Australia coming up in a couple of weeks' time on the uh, 27th, 28th, and 29th. Um, if people want to come check you out and, and come play the game, well, I guess they could play it on their phone right now because it is available right now. But if yeah. they want to come and talk to you and learn a bit about how you yeah. made your game, whereabouts can people find you on the floor? Yeah, we'll be at Stand 53, and we're also trying to work out some sort of thing that we can do at PAX that's a PAX-only sort of dealio so do stop by and uh see what we've got prepared get, get a it. discount card or whatever get that scluso content yes oh or maybe even something better who knows who Ooh, knows you'll have we'll to come to, to find out dips yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's uh so simon's game is called bounce house so you're from twice different from a team that's spread around australia mm. uh it is available on the app store and mm. google play i was playing it this morning i'm not good at that game is it, but it is, is, it is the very apple nice app store or is it the google like because the, the google the play the apple store, app store apple app yeah. store and the, and the google play google store. play yeah. store for nice. android but i will give you a tip on leaving so you can tap anywhere on the screen and just Take your time. Like you can tap anywhere on the ground to go hey. there and just just pace it so you're patience. You're not too frantic. Oh. That's my tip. Not too a lot frantic. of people just a lot of people just go in and tap spam and that's uh not optimum strats. Oh, but, yeah. um, nice. We're still um yeah, we're building out more of the tutorial at the moment. So awesome. Hopefully on the weekend we'll have another update with a bit more uh yeah, clarification. I, I found in the tutorial, it's like, just avoid three items. And it took me a <laughs> long time to avoid three items. Admittedly, it was 5.30 yeah. in the morning, so I was like a bit dreary, uh, a, bit, yeah. uh, a bit drowsy. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely very fun. You can check it out now. That's uh, pretty much all we've got time for today. So thank you very much for joining us for episode 81 of Pixel Sift, where you can find out all about Simon's game and all the other developers that we've talked to uh, by going to our website. And that website is www.pixelsift.com. Com.au. I say a big thank you to the Murdoch University School of Arts as well for sponsoring this show. Uh, they help us out a lot and help us make this uh, show every fortnight. So yeah. thank you very much for them. Now, Scott, I see you're preparing yourself, ready to ready to read. Now, what uh, what would you like to read? Where are we on the internet, or where were, where can we find old episodes? Oh, well, that, exactly that. You wow. can find us. Uh, find more about us on facebook.com forward slash pixel sift, twitter.com forward slash pixel sift, twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift, and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au. And Mitch, if we have uh, an interest in an older episode, maybe you want to listen to uh, Trent Custers from uh, League of Geeks talking about Armello, a game that ga- uh, Simon has worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can head back to episode 11 to listen to that one. Um, but oh, where are you? I looked that up yeah. the other day, so, you know, uh, <laughs> years of years of practice. Uh, yes, so you can find 
all our previous episodes on our website. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Pocket Casts, or using the RSS link on our page. And if you're listening to us just on these platforms, we go live every fortnight, and our next episode will be on the 29th of October at PAX. 10 a.m. You 10 can watch it live at the Audio Technica booth. We'll that's be down there crazy. in a collaborative mode with uh, another West Australian podcast called Party that, Loaded. That's the earliest I've ever worked on anything regarding Pixel Civ. Well, yeah. mate, you got to get up like me at 5.30 in the morning working mm-hmm. on Pixel Sift. That's super gross. Simon, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, really great chatting to you and learning all about Bounce House. I'm going to go home and uh, learn some optimal strats, min-max, my, uh, <laughs> uh, my abilities on this game. And when we meet at PAX, we'll, uh, we'll show you how good we've gotten. Yeah, yep. do it. Hey, we should, put a, we should put a poster like here. A Bounce House poster. Yeah. Sounds like, good. Yeah. Just put it in there. <laughs> yeah. send, us, send us over and we'll, uh, we'll stick it up for you. Yeah. yeah, I'll print some out. Great. Thanks, Simon. We'll catch you next time. We'll catch everyone listening next time. Ladies. Thank you. Cheers. See ya.